This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello, Blood Red's Matt Addison here. We've got not one but two Liverpool matches to discuss on this edition of the post-game podcast, which was streamed live across Facebook and YouTube initially before it's headed over to wherever you get your podcasts from. Myself and our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, had a chat about Liverpool 2, Bologna 0, and then Liverpool 1, Bologna 0, with Diogo Jota, Sadio Mane and then Takumi Minamino all on the score sheet. Both of those games were 60 minutes, so that's 30 minutes more football to talk about than usual, and that means there were plenty of talking points to get stuck into. Enjoy the show, and don't forget to give us a nice review if you can. It's always appreciated. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Paul, we'll start with match number one, the 2-0 win over Bologna with goals from Diogo Jota and Sadio Mane. And first of all, I suppose, what did you, you make of that one in general? Do you think we can draw too many conclusions from that pre-season friendly? Uh, no, I, I don't think you ever can really, can you? It's, it's always just about getting the fitness in the legs and whatever else. But uh, certainly the first one was more enjoyable as a, as a spectacle. Uh, a bit strange, isn't it, watching an hour game? having a bit of a half-time after half an hour and, and even more strange when you're watching two of them back-to-back. But such is the way of Liverpool's pre-season. It's been a little bit of a different one, hasn't it? And we've spoken about that a few times. Um, it hasn't just been 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. They've kind of been building up the intensity levels and cranking it up slowly but surely. Um, I think Liverpool will be very happy with the work they've done over the last, what was it, three or four weeks, uh, 28 days or so in Austria and then Evian. Um, I noticed the the pressing seemed a little bit more um, in sync than it has been in in the last couple of weeks, and that's probably down to the personnel. You know, it was a, largely a strong side, wasn't it, against Bologna in the first game? Uh, but also, I think that you know the work in Evian has, has probably done them a world of good as well in terms of the double sessions and the intensity, as we say, just keep kind of just keeps rising and rising. So um, we can't draw definitive conclusions, of course, but. Yeah, I think overall Liverpool are in a really good place at the moment as far as pre-season preparations go. It seems like Virgil van Dijk is in a pretty good place as well. That was his first start since last October, of course, when he got injured. And he played 43 minutes as well, which I think was slightly more than what we expected him to. But it does go to show, you know, it's obviously going quite well for him in pre-season and he looked quite good. Yeah, it was obviously pre-planned, wasn't it, by the fact that Joe Gomez played the exact same amount of minutes, almost to the second, really forty-three something. I think they both came off. Um, yeah, I was I was only expecting Van Dijk, well, and Gomez actually to to play the first half, uh, play the first half an hour, and just build on the fifteen to twenty minutes they got um, last time out against Hertha Berlin. So um, yeah, I suppose that was a, a plus point. Now you're moving on to the friendlies on Sunday and Monday. You'd imagine. We're going to feature in one of them. Certainly won't, won't be playing in two, I wouldn't imagine. It's just a case of how much are they going to play in either of those games. Klopp said after the game that he's not uh, he's not decided on who's going to be playing which day at the moment. So, you know, if, you, if you've got a ticket for the Osasuna game and you're looking to see Salah, you, you might miss out if he plays on the uh, on the Sunday rather than the Monday or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, in, in terms of those two in particular, I think another good... A big step forward for both of them. Um, still don't think they're going to be in contention for a place against Norwich in, what is it, um, nine days' time. But um, uh, another big step for, for both of them, as I say, and, and just build them towards that 
eventual competitive comeback whenever, whenever that is. I don't think Liverpool need to rush it at the moment. I don't think they, they have to. They've got defenders who are fit and ready. And yeah, it's all it's all looking good on, on that front. I think it's interesting that Ibrahim Konate played the, the second game, obviously Joel Matip alongside Virgil van Dijk. I mean, I just assume that they would put those two together as much as possible because you assume that they're going to be the players for, for the first game of, of this season. But that's obviously not quite the, the thinking. Do you think we can read anything into that? Or do you think they just train alongside each other every day and, and possibly this extra hour today probably wouldn't have, have mattered to, uh, to, to a greater extent, I should say? Yeah, that is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I'm I'm still expecting Canate and um, Matip to be the the two for Norwich. Um, so why wouldn't you just continue that partnership? You know, they haven't had a great deal of time together. Have they? A few friendlies so far. You know, forty five minutes in a couple of games or whatever it was. Um, so maybe yeah, I'm a little bit surprised at that. But um, I don't think it's it's a huge um, huge deal either way. Is it? I think. Um, Maybe Klopp was just keen to get the less than 100% defenders in there alongside the defenders who, who were fit and ready to go if the league was starting this weekend. So maybe that was part of the thinking. Um, and I think he was always going to give um, each player in you know d- different games, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I'm, st- I'm still expecting Canate and Mata to, to start the, the league season against Norwich. And probably... Um, up until after the international break in September, to be honest. And then we might start to see um, Gomez and Van Dijk getting get a little bit of a chance to uh, muscle in into the team, you know, based on form and whatever else in training. But there's absolutely no rush for either player at the moment. They've had nine and eight months out, respectively. So uh, I think they'll just be uh, building it up slowly until, um, well, until the medical staff say that these two lads are now ready to go uh, in the Premier League. And at the other end of the pitch, Diogo Jota and Sadio Mane, both on the score sheet, as I said. But I was really impressed with both of them. They look lively. They look good in terms of, of their pressing. I think certainly with Sadio Mane, obviously having that full pre-season, we've seen him a fair bit this summer. And that was by far and away the best and the most sharp he'd looked to me. I think that's got to be a huge positive for Liverpool. Yeah, I think so. I think... Um... You know, the, the two goals that Liverpool scored, they, okay, they were big mistakes from Bologna at the back, but uh, I think Klopp was saying, you know, it was really good pressing and, and that's what he likes, doesn't he, more than more than anyone else, you know, press high, win it high and then you haven't got to go too far to get to the opposition goal. Jota's goal, he took it well, uh, you know, he nipped in and he stole the ball and then didn't have too much in his way, really, he just kind of walked around the defender and, and took his chance well, but... Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. I, I thought Mane was lively, he was sharp, um, and I think it bodes well because I think uh, I've said it a few times now. Once he's got the kind of wind in his sails with a, a full Anfield crowd behind him, I think he'll be a different player next next season. You know, last season weighed heavily on him, didn't it? No fans, no atmosphere. The people were losing a lot of home. They weren't scoring. He just seemed so out of sync and bereft of confidence and. I think he said at one point then he actually spoke to a psychologist to try and get to the root cause of of what the issue was. So I think uh, when he gets you know you know a bit of air in his lungs and his, he puffs his chest out and fans are cheering for him, I think he will hit the ground running. And today was um, was a good point of that. I thought he, he was very sharp. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just a, a last point then on that first match, Harvey Elliott in midfield again. I think it's really interesting that he's seemingly the one that's been playing alongside Milner. And Kate, so obviously Curtis Jones there as well to pick from. He was in the, the second starting eleven, 
What have you made of, of Harvey Elliott tonight? Has he impressed you again, do you think? Yeah and no. Yes, because he looks like he's, you know, he's, he's a natural winger, isn't he? He loves getting the ball to feet. He loves running with defenders. He loves taking them on and getting shots off and crosses in. But he's had to adapt his game into midfield where it's just about keeping it simple, keeping it neat and tidy, getting on the ball, trying to feed those front players. And um, he looks like he's, you know, he, he's had a good pre-season playing out of position, you know, at such a young age. Um, but I still do think that his long-term position is kind of where we, we're used to seeing him on the right of, of a front three. Um, possibly there's more of a path to the first team in midfield this season. Um, but I still think long-term he's a, a front man rather than a central midfielder. But, you know, he's a, such a talented player and he's got so many years left to grow and develop that who knows where he could end up. Um, but at the moment, I, I still see him personally as a as a right-sided winger. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how many minutes he gets once the season starts and where, of course, those minutes go. But we'll move on then to the, the second game. Liverpool won Bologna nil. That one, Divock Origi did miss a spot kick, though, in that game. Was there anybody who stood out to you straight away in that second game? It was very much sort of the second string team and plenty mm. of players needing to make an impression. But was there anyone that sort of stood out above the rest? There wasn't much to write home about, was there, in, in that second game, to be fair? Um I've written a little bit about Kai Gordon just because of how much he's impressed across the last four weeks as opposed to what he did in that half an hour game this evening. Um, it was interesting the club sent home six players on Monday. You know, when Liverpool moved to Evian, six players went back to uh, Kirby, didn't they, and back, back to Merseyside. And I think most people might have assumed that Gordon was going to be one of them, but I think he, he's impressed so much. The club was keen to get another look at him. Seems to have... Um, caught the eye of several of his senior teammates and even Virgil van Dijk. Give him a little name check in, the, in his interview at the, the club site, was it was it one day this week? Um, so certainly he can reflect on a, a good, really good month of action. Um, go back to his, his day job, if you like, in, in the youth ranks and he'll be very proud of himself and he should be, you know, 16 years of age, young, right side of the attacker, um, in the Harvey Elliott mould, if you like. He's got years on his clock to develop and grow and improve and, and he looks like someone who's going to be a really good player over the next two or three years in the youth ranks and then we'll see can he make that jump up and um, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing him around the um, KB Academy this season because he, he looks like he's going to be a, a real player. Yeah, I think you can really tell with him that he's used to playing with senior yeah. players. He was obviously in training with Wayne Rooney at Derby County last season and I think you can really sort of see that shine through. I mean, one other player who sort of stood out to me really was Kostas Simikas. I think he's doing a, a pretty good impression of Andy Robertson this season. But then in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, well, if Robertson's fit, he's going to be there and he does tend to be fit. So he's going to have to do a little bit more, the Greek, to, to get plenty of minutes next season. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing, is it? You know, having a player who um, is probably not going to rock the boat if he's not playing every week, but he seems to be of a decent standard that you're not going to be throwing your toes out the pram if Simakas is named in a League Cup tie in September, for example, or in the FA Cup games once they start up, or even a kind of um, lower-profile Premier League games, if you like, just to give Robertson a breather. I mean, 
He was a bit unfortunate last season just because of the amount of injuries that Liverpool had at centre-back. Um, Klopp was reluctant to chop and change anywhere else because he, he you know, destabilising the team even further. So that just meant that Robertson, a bit like Wijnaldum to a point, you know, he was, if he was fit, he was playing just because, you know, there was too many leaks springing up from elsewhere that, you know, the, it was best just keeping your uh, your main men on the pitch. So uh, I, th- I think he will get a few more games this season once everyone's fit and ready. I think if Liverpool have got a um, full defensive department to choose from, I don't think Robertson's going to be asked to play every minute of every game. I think there will be times when he'll come out of the team and Simakas will be given a go. And he's shown in pre-season that um, he's, a, he's a decent fullback, isn't he? Cuts in a lovely cross. He seems to be... Um, aggressive, getting forward a bit, um, good at pressing. So um, there's there's plenty in there to suggest that he, he could be a half decent option for Liverpool at times next season. Yeah, certainly something to work with, I think, for for Jurgen Klopp and Joe Gomez. We sort of mentioned him a little bit before with with Virgil Van Dijk. Very much the the same sort of things applying to to those two. So we'll move further up the pitch. We'll talk about Minamino and Origi just to to finish off on the game and. I'll start with Minamino. It was a really nicely taken goal. It almost looked like he thought he might have been offside, took the pressure off him a little bit and, and found the back of the net. But again, it, it just wasn't quite the performance that sort of took on after that to, to make you think that he can make a huge impact here. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think that's the thing with Minamino, isn't it? He does little things like that and you take a step back. I think there's a player in there, but then for the other, you know, 45 minutes or whatever of pre-season, he's... Not done a whole lot more to show that, really. I thought it was a lovely pass from Shikari, you know, just kind of snapshots of what he can do. And I think I mentioned it a few times, those types of passes, the almost the reverse ones that are played forward rather than sideways. And I mean, he not took the volley well. Um, I think he probably did think he was offside, didn't he? And, and just turned and took it and was probably expecting a flag to be raised. Um, so it was, a, it was a good goal, to be fair, from two players who um, very much kind of... Um, you know, fringe players aren't his scary future. Obviously, still up for the bait and looks like he could be off at some point. Um, and then you mentioned Origi, who just for me is just listlessly drifting through now at Liverpool, and um, something needs to give um, because he's just not. He, he needs a rocket off his backside, and and I think even that probably struggles to kind of you know arouse a bit of a. A reaction from him. he's just drifting through pre-season. He hasn't really, he's he's barely, barely accelerated. He, he's it's been a really poor one for him. And at a time when, you know, you'd fancy Liverpool to be open to offers if someone is interested, he's done not a whole lot to show that he wants to remain at the club and he wants to uh, show what he can do. Um, so yeah, I mean, if no one comes in for him, I guess he's going to be staying. But. Um, it's kind of just drifting towards, you know, just as I say, just just kind of listless, isn't it? And and you know, he doesn't strike me as the type of player to, to react anyway. If if you know Klopp, kind of give him a, a, a stay and shouting shouting at in in the dressing room or whatever. It's um, yeah, it, it, there's a player in there, and we know there is, but it seems uh, a while since we've seen him really get the bit between his teeth and look like he's got something to prove. Yeah, he came on, didn't he, in the second game? So he wasn't even in that second starting eleven for Liverpool, which I think probably speaks volumes. But I think that'll just about do us on the game. Just before we do finish, we will quickly touch on the big breaking news story from tonight. And that is, of course, that Lionel Messi is going to be leaving 
Barcelona. It's it's absolutely massive news, isn't it, Paul? What do you make of it? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's got the football world in shock, but I I don't see a world where Lionel Messi doesn't play for Barcelona. I think there's still issues to resolve on this point, and I still imagine he'll start the season as a Barcelona player, and he'll be playing, and and you'll look back on it in three, four months' time and think, oh yeah, that, that was a bit funny, wasn't it, when that happened that night. Um, look, we, we, we don't cover Barcelona, do we? So we're not as kind of in tune as we are with Liverpool for obvious reasons. So I'm not too sure of what has happened behind the scenes and, and what is going on. But from what we understand, it's basically Barcelona don't have the, the financial um, clout to register them. Is, is that basically the, the top and bottom of it? His contract is obviously a hazard, I guess, of being the most sizable in world football and Barcelona. Uh, you know, hemorrhaging money left and right, and that's why they were so hell bent. And I think they might still be on on taking part in this super league nonsense. So um, they actually can't afford to register Messi, which is unbelievable, isn't it? You know, I think most people would suggest he's the greatest player of all time, and you've got him ready and willing and able to sign a new contract for you, and you can't register him because of the financial mismanagement. You know, when that is happening to you, you've got to take a step back and wonder. Just how on earth has it come to this? Um, it's an embarrassment for Barcelona, who obviously one of the biggest clubs in the world. Shambolic, um, absolute catastrophe. If it does transpire that he has to leave on a free transfer, but um, come back to me in three or four months when he scored an attack against us, soon and all's forgotten. Still expect him to be a Barcelona player. Yeah, still plenty to run on that story, I think. But that's it from us here on the debrief this evening after another two wins for Liverpool. We'll be back with the Blood Red podcast on Friday where we'll be looking ahead to the final couple of friendlies before, of course, that start of the season against Norwich in nine days' time. Until next time, though, from myself, Matt Addison, and from Paul Gorst, goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red channel.